Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast with Mike and Alexandra Foley. Where each week, we mix a bartender's guide with the lives of the saints to help you celebrate the feasts of the calendar with liturgically correct cocktails. Let's get started. Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast. I'm Mike Foley. And I'm Alexandra Foley. And happy Ascension! Happy Ascension, everyone. Boy, that went fast. (laughs) The 40 days? Yes. Well, we got a few more days of rejoicing, got Pentecost. That's right. That's right. You know. And if you're doing the traditional rite, you got the octave of Pentecost as well. We'll take it. And we won't blame you for celebrating it, even if it's not on your liturgical calendar. Amen. But we are here to celebrate a great feast. However, me throat's gone dry. (laughs) It always has, Mike. (laughs) Indeed. So let us begin in our customary way, and then I'm going to make for my beautiful bride a cocktail called the Phoenix. (gasps) The Phoenix sounds exotic. All right. Stay with us, O Lord, for it is getting towards evening. And bless our drinks and our conversation. Amen. Amen. All right, what do you got for me? I see cream over there. Mrs. Foley, would you please read the ingredients of the Phoenix whilst I make it? I would like nothing better. Okay, this is interesting. The ingredients are bourbon, creme de banana, triple sec, and cream. So one ounce of bourbon. A half ounce of creme de banana. A half ounce of triple sec. And an ounce of cream. I did pour the cream in, even though you probably can't hear it. Look, 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 look. And should we shake or stir? Pour all the ingredients into a shaker filled with ice. And of course, we shake 40 times. Why? Because if it's opaque, you shake. If it's clear, you stir. And this cream is definitely opaque. Here we go. I can already smell it. It smells wonderful. Very creamy. Let us do the traditional versicle. God is ascended with jubilee. Alleluia. And the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Alleluia. Cheers. Cheers. Did I get it right? You got it right. You've done good. I always mess up those versicles. Mm, That's nice. I like that. Kind of sweet and creamy, but not too sweet. The smack of banana. (laughs) Exactly. So, Mrs. Foley, why are we having a cocktail called the Phoenix? Well, I think I know. Before we go there, do you want to explain the versicles? Oh, um, sure. You're like, no. I don't know what to say, except if you went to like a really, really, really traditional monastery, they would have special versicles before and after the meal for special holy days. Mm Mm-hmm. So like for Easter, this is the day which the Lord hath made. Alleluia. Let us rejoice and be glad therein. Alleluia. Exactly. And then you'd say, bless Bless us, the Lord. Lord. Yeah. So we try to do that throughout the year. And it's pretty cool. So that's from the Psalms. God is ascended with jubilee and the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. And God is ascended with jubilee. Yeah. Yay. It kind of is sad for us. There's always a little bit of a 
Oh, he's gone. We're going to try to make you not sad okay. about the Feast of the Ascension today. Yes. I've always felt that as well. Right. But Jesus clearly tells us, no, yep. why? And then the yep. angels afterwards being like, what are you looking at? Why are you staring in the sky? I've also heard some really lame sermons about the Feast of the Ascension. The, the chief lame one was the priest saying, well, Jesus had to ascend to heaven because he needed to give us our space. <laughs> Oh, I read a beautiful sermon. Like we have by to in- psychologically grow without Jesus. Like, I don't want to grow without Jesus. <laughs> so just really briefly, a beautiful yeah. sermon I read today by um, John Henry Newman on the Ascension. And where's that sermon from? From our dear friend, Melinda Nielsen. And a uh, beautiful uh, volume of the liturgical year with uh, sermons from Newman to Fit. Really beautiful. And so this one makes the point that when the closer that things are to you, the more difficulty you have in seeing them. Right? Yeah. Especially for someone like me who has to wear readers. But I think the point was that the, with that distance, you can actually see it clearer. And that he is no, he's still with you, but he's not with you in the bodily way. In other words, like he talks about like his, the, uh, Jesus the man is gone, but Jesus the, the divine is still there. Yes. Did he say that, though? Because that sounds kind of sketchy. Like uh, materialist? A little sus. <laughs> Well, because he's incarnate forever. Right, but he's bodily removed from us by the yes. ascension. So, right. he, but he's still, he's invisibly present to us, but both in his humanity and his divinity. So okay. you can't see the humanity the way you used to, mm-hmm. but both are still present. Right, but now you can see it with a certain, uh, certain distance. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we need our space? No! <laughs> I'm sure I'm totally botching Newman. Sorry, Newman. He's a forgiving saint. <laughs> so. All right, I'm going to give you three reasons to be super happy about the Ascension. Okay, go. All right, number one, it is the last and necessary stage of the Paschal mystery. The Paschal okay. mystery is, of course, the mystery of our redemption. Mm-hmm. So how are we saved? It's actually three steps. On Good Friday, Christ, as high priest and victim, shed his blood, mm-hmm. but that alone was not enough. Okay. On Easter Sunday, he collected the blood, mm-hmm. reuniting it with himself. Mm-hmm. And then on Ascension Thursday, he deposits the blood in the Holy of Holies, because that's the last stage. Like in the epistle to the Hebrews, he entered into the tabernacle, not made with hands, not with the blood of goats, but with his own blood. He entered once and And for for all. all. That's what I remember, yeah. So given the Old Testament, the Levitical ceremonies, you had to go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood. Mm -hmm. That was the final stage. And now he's enthroned in the Holy of Holies. Exactly. Once and for all. Exactly. And he brought his blood. So if he hadn't done that, our redemption would not be complete. Mm, okay. So it's not just like, I got to get out of here so the Holy Spirit can come to you. I have to complete yeah. the sacrifice. That's right. Okay. It was the completion of the sacrifice. Is that reflected in the Mass? Yes. At least I know there are a couple of prayers in the traditional liturgy that mention the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ is re-presenced at every Mass. Mm-hmm. So you're not just re-presencing, you're certainly not re-presencing the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. You're re-presencing 
the crucifixion, you're re-presencing the resurrection, and you're re-presencing the ascension. So at the very end of the Latin Mass is ita misa est. Yes. It is sent. Yes. Is that the ascension? Actually, mystically speaking, when the priest blesses the people at the end of the Mass, that is considered a kind of re-presencing of the ascension because Christ blessed the apostles before he ascended into heaven. Okay. Yeah. But it's, like, it's the image of go, it is sent, like the sacrifice we've done on this altar is now sent and it ascends, like a, like a burnt offering ascends. Yeah. So I always assume that was the, oh, that, well, the ascension part. That comes right with the blessing. Right, so, at the same yeah, time. So sure. We'll take it. We'll go with that. Cool. All right. So that was reason number one? We did reason number one. Reason number two is it is the supreme glorification of Christ Jesus. So he's glorified on Easter Sunday with his body, Mm -hmm. but now he enters triumphantly into heaven as like the last stage of his glorification, sitting at the right hand of the Father. So you said the glorification of his body on Easter, the resurrection. Yep. Is this a glorification of the wholeness? Um, I don't know if I'd put it that way. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm cribbing, by the way, from Blessed Columba Marmion who actually says that the Ascension is the greatest feast in the entire year of our Lord Jesus Christ, hmm. which is a shocking thing to say, like bigger than Easter. Yeah. But kind of. I kind of get, I've been thinking about that today. Like This is a really, really huge feast. Yeah. And we're kind of like, oh yeah, it's a Thursday, we're at work, or yeah, exactly. Well, let's transfer it to a Sunday to well, make it convenient so we don't have to leave work. Well, we don't want to be critical of our ecclesiastical superiors. No, of course not. <laughs> It is a really, really big feast. We are day drinking, so we might as well. Let it all hang out, yes. We're actually doing this the day before Ascension, (laughs) and it is around two o'clock right now. The sacrifices we make for our listeners, our saintly sippers. You're welcome. (laughs) Hoping there's a nap in the schedule after this. All right, so let's just agree that it's the supreme glorification of Jesus as he enters triumphantly into heaven. Okay. And then the third thing that's kind of cool is it's not in the scriptures, but there is a tradition that he did not enter heaven alone, but was followed by a comet tale of the souls mm-hmm. that he redeemed from limbo on Good Friday. Because mm-hmm. think about it. Right. Where did they go? Where did they go? Yeah. They're like, Holy Saturday. They're out. Yep. They're like wandering around. Now, some of them actually reanimated their corpses mm-hmm. and appeared to people on Good Friday, freaked right. out a lot of people, I'm sure. So, for example, there's a hymn for the Divine Office, which describes Jesus as taking the captives that he freed and bringing them with him. Yeah, what's the line? Led captivity, led captivity captive? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that takes on new meaning, like he, he, he liberated the captives, and now they're coming with him. Mm-hmm. And so the model is actually that of a very specific kind of Roman parade called the Triumph. When a Roman general successfully conquered a land, he would have this big parade thrown for him in the city, and he'd be at the head, and he'd be followed by all of the POWs Mm -hmm. that he had captured. Which are now like his slaves. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Captivity captive, yeah. Exactly, but now this is turned on its head. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the triumphant general. Right. And he's brought all of the, the souls that he's liberated, but they're not, they are slaves of Jesus Christ, of course. Which, but is, a, the which paradox is a true is, liberation. Yeah, but they're truly free. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it's the model of this like Roman triumph. 
I don't really get captivity. Mm-hmm. Captive. Well, it's like he conquered death by death. Sure, I get that. He led captivity. That's a noun. Yeah. <laughs> it could also mean his binding of the demons in heaven, which we'll get to because we, we have okay. a couple of exciting poems to read. Just one. A couple of exciting poems to read. <laughs> Go on. So yeah. So those are three reasons to love, love, love the Ascension. Well, you have convinced me. I love the Ascension and I'm loving this drink. Good, good. So think about it. Heaven for the first time in history is peopled, mm-hmm. right? That's right. We don't know where Elijah is. We can't go into that. Yeah. The gates of heaven were closed, right. even to just souls and prior to Jesus Christ. And this is the day he Christ. opens them. Yep. Is, okay. It's always so confusing with the good thief, you know, today you'll be with me in heaven. Paradise. Paradise. That, that's paradise. a big difference. Oh, not necessarily heaven, but paradise. Yeah. So you'll be like, you'll be in my triumph yep. parade for the next 40 days. That's right. Okay. And the good thief was with Jesus in paradise insofar as he descended into limbo at the same time. And now Jesus, his his soul is visible in limbo. And to see Jesus face to face unmediated is indeed the beatific vision. Yeah. So Right. He could be He is in paradise. He could be at Whataburger and it's paradise. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Some people think of Whataburger as a kind of paradise, but (laughs) not you. So why the bird? I mean, I get it. Obviously, it's a phoenix rising. It's a bird ascends. I remember long before you wrote Dining with the Saints, we would always have a bird that could fly for our meal. So that was a tradition. Mm -hmm. Jesus was like a bird flying to heaven. And so you ate something that could fly. So no chicken, but you could have duck. Mm -hmm. Quail. We loved having quail. Yes. So Father Leo in Dining with the Saints. Mm Mm-hmm has a delicious recipe for roasted Asian quail. Yummy. The Asian is the sauces. You don't actually have to get an Asian quail. <laughs> it's a quail with roasted Asian sauces. It's hard enough just to get a quail. Exactly. an Asian quail. Yes. And we have at times that use a chicken instead because we can't find quail all the time or a flying bird or a goose. We did Cornish game hen. Game hen we've done. And we pretended it could fly. Sure. Closer. <laughs> kind of quail-like. Also more special than chicken. Exactly. So I have a trivia challenge for you. So if the, tra- trivia. if the tradition is to eat bird in drinking with the saints, we recommend drinking birds. So we've got this cocktail called the Phoenix. But here's an interesting challenge to our saintly sippers. Try to name a wine or a spirit or a beer named after a bird. Uh, what's the one you have for um, St. Albert the Great, the mudslinger? The mud pie. The mud pie. I always call it the mudslinger. Okay. And that actually, obviously, isn't a bird, but the story was after a bird. But that's right. It was that inspired episode. by a heron, but that yeah. doesn't count. Doesn't count. Okay. Bird drinks. Can you think of any wines named after okay, a bird? Okay, Grey Goose Martini. Grey Goose, yeah. Grey Goose Vodka. What about bourbon? A wild turkey. Got it. Bourbon. You know your liquor. I was, thank you. Pink Flamingo, is that a, is that a drink? If it isn't, it should be. Mm-hmm. They can fly. And they're delicious. I imagine that for the 12 days of Christmas, yes, there are some, we have bird drinks. Yes, we do have a couple of turtle dove Turtle dove, uh, that was a good drink. Yep. And we've got, I think we've got a Gisa Lang cocktail or something. Mm-hmm. But what about labels? So you, like wild turkey wild bourbon. Turkey. So a wine that has a bird. Mm-hmm. Can I have a hint? There's a red wine that was named after a giant rooster. 
Oh, yeah. That's kind of popular. They're not too bad. There's a rooster. But there's a rooster on the label. I give up. Rex Goliath. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I'm going to get that at Trader Joe's. Excellent. And also for scotch, famous grouse. Grouse, sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I'm sure our listeners can think of other yeah. ideas as give well. Give us other ideas. So what about sparkling drinks? Because the bubbles rise like birds do. So we do recommend in Drinking with the Saints, in addition to the Phoenix, a Chambord Spritzer. Mm. So anything with bubbles rising is a good allegory for the ascension. For our non-drinkers, you can just have a, a, a sparkling water. Oh, and speaking of sparkling, sparkling wines, do you remember Cold Duck? Mm-mm. It was a very popular thing to have in the 70s. And, and it's it, the name of a drink. It's not cold. It, it's duck, the it's name of a, of a kind of a sparkling wine. Hmm. I think it's probably considered day class A now because the biggest vendor was Ernest and Julio Gallo. Okay. But it was hugely popular in the 70s. All right. And it was named after this weird Austrian custom of adding cold sparkling burgundy with bottles of already opened champagne. <laughs> so... And the practice was called cold end, kalta enda which eventually became known as Cold Duck, Kalta Enta. actually got kind of bored. What? <laughs> Have another. Yeah, my, my drink is almost gone. It was really good. All right, let me perk things up. Okay. Superstitions for Ascension Thursday. Don't kill a bird. I think you can kill a bird on Ascension Thursday. Oh, I, I know right. one. Yeah? Well, besides, like, you're not supposed to work. You're not supposed to work. No manual labor. No manual, <laughs> no manual labor. But in particular, no sewing. Yes. Any clothing which is touched by a needle on the Feast of the Ascension will attract lightning and kill the wearer. Yeah. (laughs) Some of these customs. I thought the custom was that the needle would attract lightning. Right. But it's the clothing clothing that the needle is touched will attract lightning. Like even if you you do it indoors and you go out. Yep. Yeah. And then you use the needle on another day. But if it was used on Ascension, it's cursed. Really? That's part of it? Yeah. Any needle used on the Ascension, Mm -hmm. any clothing it touches from that point forward will attract lightning, kill the wearer. I love any kind of tradition that's like, okay, ladies, don't do any work. Yep. Any, I'm going to add to it, any dish that is touched by a mom on Ascension, well, the eater will be cursed. Yep. So it's like Mother's Day. Exactly. Mom can't do anything. And uh, working in the field or garden is actually good luck on Good Friday. Yeah. uh, Because our Lord sanctified the soil with his blood on that day. Mm -hmm. But it's extremely bad luck (gasps) to work in the field or garden on Ascension Thursday. Okay, I actually was going to do some garden work tomorrow. Nope. He's left the earth. You leave the earth too. Just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. I can definitely do that. All right. So we normally don't read poetry during our podcast, but... There is a brief little poem from Anglo-Saxon poetry of Jesus Christ as a bird, with complete command over his destiny, flying back and forth between heaven and earth. So this is a description of Jesus. So the beautiful bird took to flight. Now he sought the home of the angels, that glorious country, bold and strong in might. Now he swung back to earth again. Sought the ground by grace of the Spirit, returned to the world. Hmm. So he returns to the world through the grace of the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of cool. That's very cool. Yeah.
So here's a trivia question for you. All right. I love trivia. What are the six leaps of Jesus Christ? Wasn't it seven lords a-leaping in the 12 days? Uh, it's 10 lords a-leaping. 10? That's what I said, 10. But what about Jesus leaping six times in his life? Okay, so would the incarnation be one? Yes, but not the first. But not the first. So I'll give you a hint. The ascension is the sixth and final leap. Okay, but the, but the incarnation wouldn't be the first? Correct. Something, the creation of the world? I was th- no, I was thinking that uh, the visitation... But that is St. John John leaps in the womb. Okay, Okay, here's another lovely poem. Don't worry, it's not too long. (laughs) But it's a really neat way to think about the life of Jesus. And it will help you see the, the great joy in the ascension. Okay, do it. The King of Angels, the Lord mighty in strength, will come springing upon the mountain, leaping the high uplands, Hills and downs he will garland with his glory and redeem the world, all earth's inhabitants, by that glorious leap. The first leap was when he descended into a woman, an unblemished virgin, I'm sorry, that's and there what I said. took human form without sin. That became a comfort to all earth's dwellers. I'm sorry, I thought you were thinking of the, the birth. I said incarnation. Okay, you were right. I was wrong. Sorry. The second bound was the birth of the boy when he was in the manger, wrapped in cloth in the form of a child, the glory of all glories. The third leap was the heavenly king's rush when he climbed upon the cross, father comforting spirit. The fourth bound was into the tomb when he relinquished the tree, safe in the sepulcher. The fifth leap was when he humbled the host of hell's inhabitants in living torment, the king bound within the advocate of the fiends in fetters of fire, the malignant one, where he still lies fastened with chains in prison, shackled by sins. So that could be he led captivity captive. Mm-hmm. The sixth leap, the Holy One's hope play, was when he ascended to heaven into his former home. Then the throng of angels in that holy tide was made merry with laughter, wrapped with joy. They saw the glory of majesty, first of princes, seek out his homeland, the bright mansions. After that, the blessed city dwellers endlessly delighted in the prince's play. Oh, I love that. I just love the image of play. Yeah. He's leaping all over the place. Yeah. And now he leaps back to his home Mm -hmm. and the angels dance with joy. So the six are incarnation, birth, Good Friday, crucifixion, the descent to hell. Oh, no. uh, The crucifixion, his removal from the cross. Oh, the descent. And then the descent. The descent from the cross and the descent into hell, mm-hmm. or limbo. Mm-hmm. That brings us to five. And then the resurrection. Resurrection and ascension makes seven then. Yeah. Oh, I, I guess the resurrection isn't formally mentioned. It's just the harrowing of hell. Yeah, that's right. So the resurrection's not a leap. Huh. Interesting. I mean, I don't want to criticize this poet. Yeah. So maybe we should have the seven leaps. Because seven is a better number than six. Yeah, it is. Okay. Gosh, we've got to rewrite the whole poem. Yeah. Well, you know, those Anglo-Saxons. I mean, they weren't Irish. No wonder he didn't sign his name to That's it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mrs. Foley, do you want to talk about our pilgrimage? Yes. Oh, my gosh. We, As you know, we have not been, we've been moving to a every other week schedule because we have been traveling a lot, including a wonderful two-week pilgrimage 
and river cruise along the Douro River with Father Leo Petalinghug and his parents and my parents and four of our six children. It was lovely. It was absolutely amazing. And a hundred other people. And a hundred and twelve of our other favorite people. Exactly. Yes, we had our 25th anniversary aboard the ship. That was very exciting. We were with John Sablin of World Ablaze and his beautiful and lovely and intelligent wife, Nicole. Nicole. And it was just a great time. It was just so fun. I highly recommend a boat cruise because it makes travel so easy. It's just a floating hotel. Yeah. Incredible food, wine, visiting the uh, wineries and the, the, the port places were just, it was so, so good. And the shrines. We went to Fatima. We did the extended stay to Santiago de Compostela. Mm-hmm. We saw the Church of the Holy Miracle, where the Eucharist started to bleed in the 11th century. In Santarema, Portugal, which I have to say, I think for a lot of us and our family, that was the highlight. Yeah. And that was like our first day. It was so beautiful. That Eucharistic miracle, if you don't know it, Blessed Carlo Cuti put it on his so dossier of um, Eucharistic miracles, and he himself went there. But look it up, the story. We, w- we won't tell you it now, but it was such an incredible story. So look it up by the uh, Santa Rema, Portugal. Maybe we can add it to our notes for this podcast. I like it. Well, thank you for listening, and we wish you a great, happy, merry, and jubilant Feast of the Ascension of our Lord to your health and holiness. God bless and truly enjoy the Ascension. Take the day off, do whatever you can to make it a merry and appropriately fitting day for this great, great feast. Amen. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us. Please get in touch with us via email at podcast at drinkingwiththesaints.com or on our Instagram page at Drinking Saints and find Drinking With The Saints book series at drinkingwiththesaints.com or wherever fine books are sold. The Drinking with the Saints podcast is produced by Back Row Media.